Fences made to keep certain things in and other things out. To keep the wild animals wild and the tame animals tame. But which are we? Welcome to the Feral Christian Podcast, where the modern church, biblical accuracy, the Holy Spirit, and human personalities collide, and we try to make some sense of it. I'm Eric Jackson, and the topic we're going to be covering today is sustainable Christianity, especially when it comes to trying to be feral Christians, undomesticated believers that are living outside of fences that were placed in their life, uh, not by God, but by other people, maybe well-meaning people, um, but, but in terms of being a believer who wants everything that God wants for them to, to be willing to push past the fences, where does the idea of sustainable Christianity come into play in all of this? And this has been something that I've been pondering and I've been thinking about and praying about for a while, ever since I watched um, a documentary on Netflix. Uh, I have a confession to make. I'm a documentary junkie. I love watching um, documentaries, um, and so I know I know Netflix is evil. I know that um, a lot of people in my life are telling me um, that I should not have it, um, but I do love watching the documentaries on there. And there was one documentary I watched um, a couple of years ago was the first time I watched it, um, and it was a documentary called Sustainable. And I just checked, and they just took it off Netflix, so I apologize. Um, If you want to watch it, which I suggest, it's it's a cool little documentary. Um, You're probably going to have to find a different way to watch it, but I've watched it a few different times now. And uh, what I do is if I watch something and it it sparks interest in me, and I think that there is a big philosophy that it is relaying, I always try to connect that to my walk with God and, and to my, my Christianity um, because I think there's a lot that we can learn um, as we, we observe the world and try to um, look at the world through a biblical worldview, understanding that our walk with God is the most important thing um, and really everything else um, should be viewed in that term. And so to give you a brief summary of what this documentary was about is it was basically about a guy who inherited a a farm, Um, and it was a very small farm. It was in rough shape, and by all the standards um, that you would think of in order to make a living in this day and age, you wouldn't be able to make a living in this farm. It was in Illinois, somewhere outside of Chicago. And it simply didn't have the acreage um, in order to really turn a profit in in the way that that we farm nowadays. And so he did something a little revolutionary where he tried to go back to the old school way of farming, back when small farms um, were viable and a family could make a living on, on a smaller amount of of acreage, and so his whole goal were was how do I keep costs down, 
and do this in such a way that um, I have very little overhead to where even if I, I turn less of a profit, um, I can still make a decent living at this. And so he started doing things like rotating his crops, finding crops that um, worked well with other crops so you didn't have to pay to add nutrients to the soil because they were naturally doing that as he would rotate crops. And then he started adding animals into the mix and found that you could actually have animals and your crops growing in the same area. And not only did they not compete with each other, they actually helped each other out. And as he started doing this, he started to see that this is a very sustainable way uh, to do farming. And in, in a very small amount of acreage, he was able to produce a lot of food um, and, and he was able to bring it to restaurants in the Chicago area. And what ended up happening is he started this co-op type thing with the other small farmers in the area, showing them how if you uh, try to go back to a more basic way of farming, you are able to get a lot more out of a, a smaller farm. And so these small farms became much more uh, realistically viable uh, to make a living off of. And, and, and the documentary is that whole journey about how, as far as farming and agriculture goes, everything has been separated. So you, you have, you know, all the cows in one big, huge, you know, piece of, of land and they're crammed together. And then you have to have a whole separate uh, area of land to grow all the wheat to feed all the cows. So, so then you need to ship all the wheat over to all the cows and, and all of this costs money. And you're growing the same crop over and over and over again um, on, on the soil, so you have to pay uh, to put nutrients into the soil and to fertilize it and all those things. Um, you're also removing um, any animals that would kill bugs um, because you got to separate everything. And so now you have to pay for pesticides and that becomes a whole thing. And, and now you're feeding animals food that they aren't necessarily meant to eat and they're getting no exercise so now you have to pay to put antibiotics in it and the system becomes very convoluted and it and it doesn't work very well but it's it's a necessity if you want to grow your operation um, if if you as a company want to have more beef to sell or or whatever it is the only way you're able to continue to grow it in that way is to start separating things um, that in nature would never be separated. And that begins to cause all these other problems. But we've sort of bought into the lie that that's the only way to do things. If you're going to have any success at all, uh, what you need to do is separate everything so that they can be controlled, so that you can control variables, and you can also control the uniqueness. Um, you know, if you're going to farm in a, you know, sustainable way, not all of your, you know, corn is going to look the same. Not all of your your beef, you know, your cows are going to be the same size and all these things. And that doesn't necessarily work with what we expect as a culture. We want uh, uniformity. So if you're going to do that, you need to separate everything out so that you can be in control of all of the, the little things. So the reason I bring this up is when I watched it this past time, 
and really thought about it, it made me think of Christianity and the church. And it made me ask the question, are we doing the same thing with how we do church as far as we've taken on much more of an industrial approach, which, which means we need to separate everything so that way we can be in control, we can make sure things are uniform. Um, and even though it adds a bunch of problems, it allows us to have our brand or, or church get bigger than it would have normally been able to get had we kept things in more of a sustainable way. Um, and so when I, when I say sustainability, I, I kind of mean the ability to maintain without having to put a bunch of energy in or come up with a bunch of other solutions because you've changed the natural flow of things. And so, uh, you know, this gentleman's farm, he didn't have to put a bunch of extra resources in as far as pesticides and fertilizer and extra feed and all that because that was built in. So the maintenance, the sustainability was already there. You, he didn't have to be constantly worried about bringing in additional resources in order to maintain what was there because he allowed it uh, to work together the way it was designed to work together, uh, the maintenance almost took care of itself. Now, you're always going to have to put some energy into it, but overall, he was not spending the majority of his time and resources trying to bring in additional resources to maintain. Um, the, the natural order basically did it on its own, and I think we're finding this to be true with the church as well. Because we want to see our churches grow, because we want to see our churches do well, what we've started doing is separating things and trying to comp compartmentalize them when really the natural order would help make all those things um, go. So, so one of the, the big new things in churches, and I guess it's really not all that new at this point, but small groups. And, and small groups are good. I'm not, I'm not saying to not go to small groups. But what small groups are is they are, uh, whether you want to call it a fertilizer or something that, that we've had to ship in because of the way we have separated things, um, there was something missing in the soil. And so now we have to try to come up with solutions um, to, to solve it. And so because we've separated things and, and our services have become pretty impersonal for the most part, especially if you're going to a bigger church, we've now had to ship in a solution um, because our natural way of doing things does not allow for it anymore. So now we have to do small groups. And, and, and there's also, um, you know, a big push for like conferences at churches and events. So things like, hey, our, our marriages aren't doing very good. Um, you know, whereas the way the New Testament church kind of did it and everybody was walking alongside and constantly talking and mentoring each other, um, that natural marriage support happened. And we don't really have that anymore. And so now we have to ship in a solution. We have to come up with a marriage conference. Again, 
marriage conferences are great, but they are a solution that we've tried to ship in because our natural way of doing things no longer addresses that anymore. And so I think this is a real problem that the church is facing right now. And I think just like this farmer did, I think if we had some Christians that that were really on board with this and some churches that were really on board with this, I think we could show that there's another way to do this. Um, There's a way to do this that is much more sustainable. It's, It's the way the New Testament church did it because I believe that if we do things the way that God calls us to do things, um, he's going to sustain it. Um, I'm going to bring you to Colossians chapter 1. These are verses 16 and 17, and it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Basically, what this verse tells us is that God ultimately maintains and sustains. Um, And one of the things that, that I've heard a piece of advice that I hold to, and I think it's really true, is that if God builds it, then he will maintain it. But if we build it, if we do it in our own wisdom and our own abilities, then now we are going to be responsible to maintain and sustain it. And that's where I think the modern church finds itself, is, is we, we keep trying to build these things um, because we, we want to see the church grow, and, and I believe it comes out of good intentions, but now we're all stuck with the bill, so to speak, and now we've got to try to maintain it. And so just like, you know, with, with the industrial farming the way it is, Everyone's constantly scrambling to try to come up with the solution because we've separated everything. And and that has been a problem, I don't know, maybe in the past hundred years, maybe not even that long, where we have fallen in love with separating things and trying to um, compartmentalize things that really don't need to be. And and that's dangerous. Um, you know, I, I watched, again, another documentary where, where a guy was, was talking about how, you know, obviously cocaine is really dangerous and it's really harmful. But, you know, he's seen the, you know, indigenous people where that grows and they use it as part of their culture and they make tea out of it. And yeah, it's, it's strong. It's, you know, it'll wake you up. It's like a real strong coffee, but it's not harmful um, because you're, you're utilizing it in much more of its natural state. But it's when we chemically separate things and then condense it and condense it that these things become much more dangerous. It's, it's why, you know, it's, it's a lot healthier to use honey than sugar because it's been process less. It's in much more of a natural state. And so your body knows what to do with it. It's, it's why um, things like even apple juice can be harmful. You know, if you drink an entire gallon of apple juice a day, um, that'd be really bad for you. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there that's, that's, you don't want to drink in large quantities. Yet, If you were to just eat apples, um, it'd be really hard for you to eat enough apples to really hurt yourself um, because there's other things that are combined with the juice 
um, that make it much healthier. There's fiber and there's there's other things, so you're going to get full. And and you know they've they've even shown that as you eat an apple, if if you're getting it with all the other stuff, your body processes it completely differently. And so this is you know, kind of an obsession that we've had is how can we separate things? How can we condense them and make them more potent? And, and that's really hurt us in a lot of ways. And I think we're, we're finding that with the church. If we can separate out worship from um, the teaching and we can separate the teaching from the discipleship, and if we can separate the discipleship from the hospitality and counseling and, and all these things, we can make worship more potent. Um, and we can make, you know, discipleship easier to control, and, and we can um, have, a, have an easier time trying to make it all the same and make it all fit into a certain system. And I think what we're seeing is that just requires an intense amount of res- resources and effort to keep going, because now we've taken it out of the realm of, of the natural way that those things are supposed to work together and support each other. Um, and so now we've kind of take the taken the maintenance and, and the sustaining out of God's hands, and it's up to us. And, and that's where ministry feels very tiring for a lot of people, because we find ourselves in that spot. So I want to get to some questions at this point. Um, you know, that some people ask me. And if you want to ask me questions, um, or if you want to give me some ideas for some topics that you would love for me to cover here on this podcast, um, definitely add me on social media. Media, You can find me on Facebook and, and Instagram. It'll be pretty easy. And um, that way you can, you can give me some topics, some ideas, um, or just ask some questions for upcoming topics because I would love to to get even more of those from you. And I would I would say if you are enjoying this, um, one way that you can really help expand this conversation because um, that's really what I hope this becomes is is a big conversation that connects uh, the believers who want to live things out um, the way that God's called them to um, connect us together. Um, I I would just love to see this conversation expand. So if you would want to do that, if you just share this on social media and just get the word out and um, see if if this is is a conversation that more people want to be a part of, uh, that would be awesome. So let's, let's move on to some questions at this point. The first question I have is this, what do you think prevents a sustainable approach to church? What I think, as far as if you're looking at it from a church aspect, um, I think what prevents it the most, there's going to be a lot of things um, that get in the way, but I think what prevents it the most is the desire to have a, quote, successful church. Um, And I don't have time to get into all of the things that I hate about how the church in America defines success. But I think that that is one of the biggest culprits is um, we all want to be successful. 
Uh, most young pastors, and I would be one of these, we come into the first opportunity to really lead a church with a big chip on our shoulder. We've we've probably been been hurt and doubted by people. Um, you know, if you are young and hip with it, you would say you have haters. Um, I am not that cool, so I'll just say you have had people doubt you and question your ideas, and so you're coming into ministry with a chip on your shoulder, and you want to prove people wrong, and so your way to do that is to grow, is to have a big church, is to take a church, uh, quote-unquote, to the next level, and so in order to do that, you are going to have to start separating things because a sustainable approach to church is never going to really allow you to grow to a huge number Um, because that approach works, if you're going back to the example of farming, that approach works on small farms. It it works when uh, the farmer can personally know what's going on with all of his crops and all of his animals, and and that's the only way it works. Now, it allows for a very healthy farm, but it does not allow for a very big farm. And so, you know, in, in the documentary, he was partnering with other farms, and the idea was, what if we had many, many, many small farms all over the place? And that's that's the way this approach would work for the church, is to be okay with having many, many healthy, small churches. Um, But the problem is, is that is not impressive from the outside. And a lot of us come in and, uh, you know, like I said, I'll put myself in there. We have something to prove and we want to be a success. And and the way that the world is going to stop and notice how good of a pastor we are, how good of a church we are, how successful we are is to grow. And just like you know with farming, if you want to get if you want to become a big operation, now you got to separate things out so that you can be in control of all the little aspects, you can make sure everything's uniform. Um, and, and then you got to get locked in to this way of doing things. And I think that is the biggest thing that prevents us from even really testing this out is you are going to have to give up um, the dream of being the guy um, and being the pastor that really, you know, is impressive or being the church that really is impressive. And I think for a lot of us, uh, we are just not willing to give that up yet. The next question goes along with that, um, and it says, what is a good first step to having a more sustainable approach? So this goes along with it. I would say a good first step to having the church move to a more sustainable approach is to drop the idea that each church is its own brand. Um, it's, it's crazy. So on Facebook, you know, you put what your profession is. So I put that I'm a pastor on Facebook because that's my job. And so I don't know how all the algorithms work, but you are going to get hit with targeted advertising based on what you put in there. 
And I can go on Facebook right now. I mean, I've got my phone out. I can I can go on Facebook right now and scrolling through within the first I would say 2 minutes of scrolling through, I'll say I'll see at least 3 ads that are somewhere along the line of, "Hey pastor, do you want to grow your church by 40% in the next 3 weeks? Click here." And I'm not kidding. I actually started screenshotting them because my friends don't believe me. Um, there, there's targeted ads specifically for helping me brand my church. There's a whole science uh, behind church branding. And the reason I bring that up is when you look in at the New Testament church and the reason that they were able to approach the church in a way that was sustainable where, hey, they just got together and it all happened. They got together and they worshiped and they taught and they discipled and they um, talked to each other and, and there was hospitality happening and they were you know, serving each other and it all just kind of happened. Um, the reason they were able to do that is there wasn't this competitive, my church, your church. It was just the church. And Paul talks about this over and over. It's like, look, it's not about me versus this person. It's, it's, you don't follow a pastor. It's just we are all under the headship of Jesus. And so they had a view of just the church. And so there wasn't this competitiveness. And so, you know, when I, when I read the New Testament, you're reading through all the epistles and all the letters, I just don't see that kind of, hey, how do, how do we get more people than this person down the road? And, and that is going to have to be the first step because, as I alluded to in the last question, is if you are trying to be competitive and you are trying to show that you're a better church than this church down the street or that, you know, you have something another church doesn't have, so, so you have more value to you, the, this approach to ministry is never going to be attractive because it's not going to lead to anything impressive. It's just going to lead to sustainability and health. But if we are going to take this approach, the first thing that we have to do is start to honestly look at the church as the church, as, hey, I am part of this huge body of Christ. And it's not about I go to this church, you go to that church. It's not about the brand. It's about the church. And as soon as we view that and, and start to understand, um, I believe this was in the documentary as well, is just when you start to understand there's just this world ecosystem that you're a part of. And, and you got to find your place in it, and you got to find a way to contribute to it in a healthy way and be able to help your fellow man and support your family while still existing in this bigger ecosystem. And once you grasp that, this more sustainable way to farming makes a lot more sense. And I would say it's the same way in the church. Once you understand that you're a part of this big church body, and, and it really doesn't matter that much what church branding you're under um, or who your pastor is. You, the biggest thing is that you're a part of this church and, you know, this happens to be where you attend and serve and worship, but you take pride more in the body of Christ than you do in your specific church. That's when this sustainable way of seeing many, many smaller healthy churches all over the place um, 
becomes a lot more attractive. And I would say that that's got to be our first step if we want to make a legitimate run at seeing this happen in the body of Christ. All right, one more question. How does sustainability look in my personal walk with God? So let's shift this as, as, as we're wrapping up from kind of a church problem to a, a personal walk with God problem. How do we shift that? Um, so I would say use the same ideas and ask yourself what areas of my walk with God, um, I guess, or my life in general, have I tried to separate, pull apart things that really don't need to be pulled apart so that I can be in better control of this certain area and I can try to be the one who, who moves it forward in my walk with God. And so if you look at, you know, even something like the fruit of the Spirit, there's an order to it that God walks and they, they work together. Love leads to joy, leads to peace, you know, leads to patience. These things work together. And, and oftentimes what we try to do is say, well, I really want this. I, I want self-control. So I'm going to pull this out of everything else. I'm going to try to let everything go. And I'm just going to focus on self-control. I would say that's not a sustainable way to walk with God. Your walk, walk with God should be to let all those things stay together. They were designed to interact with each other and simply walk through your spiritual growth the way that God is laying it out for you. And so I do think it's a valid question to say, are there areas of your life, your walk with God, where you have tried to compartmentalize things to be in better control? Um, where, or even just to say, well, I really want to focus on, um, on this thing. And so rather than allowing the whole ecosystem that God's trying to grow in my life to interact and grow with each other, I'm going to try to pull it apart so that I can get more of this one thing because this one thing is something that I like. Um, and so I, I would say that's where sustainability would connect with your personal walk with God is just this overall concept of God made things to work together. And we often try to separate those things because I think we think that we can improve on what God has done. We think we can make it better. Um, than simply allowing them to work the way that God has called them to work. And anytime we do that, we might see some results, but what's going to happen is then we are going to be responsible for that to continue and for that to maintain, and we're probably going to burn out. And so it's much better to allow it to work the way God designed and allow God's timing to be how it works, because then God is going to be in charge of the maintenance and the sustaining of that. And so that is all we have for today. I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, remember, test some fences in your life and do everything you can to possess the land that God is calling you to possess. Until next time. What if I told you that on the other side of these fences, there is land where the Pauls and the Timothys used to walk? That just beyond these fences of church pews, traditions, and rules, there are forests that we once owned. 
but right past the that's just how it stuns and just do what you're told lay a place where we can regain what we've lost. Our strength, our senses, our power, the ability to live the way we were always meant to live. What if they are all still there, waiting for us? Just beyond the fence. <laughs>